hello and welcome to the very first episode of the video editing podcast thank you for joining me uh, my name is shiny by the way i'm the founder of unsplice and i'll be your host on this podcast thank you so much for your support the video editing podcast as you can probably imagine is about video editing but in a world that seems to celebrate film editing and put film editing on this pedestal of being the holy grail of editing and video editing is its unwanted ugly cousin unsplice celebrates video editing as an art form to itself whether that's commercials broadcast branded content uh, social media content gaming content you name it we celebrate it we love it and really that's why i founded unsplice because there was no real one place to gain all the knowledge you need to become an incredible video editor nowhere to celebrate our craft and so unsplice is built to make you a better editor so that you can work on your dream project as soon as possible so this podcast is going to be weekly so every month will be a new subject every week will be a new episode uh, a tip based on that subject now it could be a tip or uh, it could be a coaching call with one of the unsplice students to help them overcome an obstacle that they're facing at the moment that could be in their career or it could be something to do with the craft of editing itself or we might have a special guest and the special guests generally will be uh, professional video editors who've just reached a milestone in their career who will share how they got there or they might share certain techniques each episode is going to be roughly 20 to 30 minutes um, and that's pretty much because whenever I listen to podcasts it's generally when I'm tidying up around the house and it tends to be that sweet spot is about 20 to 30 minutes so without further ado let's get on with the podcast on this first episode it seemed quite apt to share my story with you about how I became a professional video editor in London what did I do what journey did I take and what did I learn along the way and at each point I'll try and give you uh, my reflection on what was good and what was bad about the different paths that I chose in my career so my journey starts in about 2006 which is when I graduated university I studied digital media production and it was a mixed bag really the course covered loads of stuff it was like illustration web design uh, audio editing and design and I kind of fell in love with 3d animation so when I graduated I decided to apply for loads of entry-level runner positions at post-production companies in London I just sent my CVs out that was a sim- that was my approach I just sent CVs to all of these different places and um, eventually I heard back from MPC the moving picture company for those that don't know the moving picture company is one of the biggest post-production houses in Soho in London in the UK and at the time they were creating the Harry Potters doing all the VFX on the Harry Potter films when I started running I very quickly realized that working in a VFX department 
is kind of depressing. It's pitch black. There is no natural light. And you're kind of like a worker in a factory working on these machines, working in the 3D studios. I spent about six months creating free 3D models for MPC, for their films. Um, I had some of my stuff go in uh, Narnia, the film Narnia, um, and a couple of other big ones. But I wasn't getting paid for this. This is all in the evenings, in my free time. I pushed as much as I could to try and get uh, some kind of leg up. But nobody was biting. And you know what? I just thought, f*** this. It was a sign. This isn't for me. It was dark. It was depressing. I didn't want to be in there anyway. So... Um, I got to know the uh, the guys who were working in the commercial side. They were looking for a junior motion graphics artist. I didn't actually have any experience as a motion graphics artist, but I showed them my graphic design and they liked it. So I got a basic um, entry level position in the, it was called the FX studio, which is essentially creating motion graphics for TV commercials. All in After Effects, of course. And um, that was my first step into post-production as a career. I learned on the job. And after about two years of doing that, I got itchy feet. I decided that sitting at a desk all day really wasn't for me. Looking back, though, because let's look at the irony. I'm an editor now and I sit at a desk all day. So obviously it wasn't the sitting at a desk thing that I regretted. Uh, looking back, I realized that what I really wanted was variety, which I wasn't getting by going into someone's office and just sat there working like a machine, creating these assets and leaving and going home. The nine to five just wasn't for me. So I left and I applied for runner positions again, but in production. I managed to secure a job as a runner at Partizan, which at the time was one of the biggest production houses in Soho. And they were creating the best music videos. And I don't say this lightly, the best music videos in the world at that point. Michel Gondry was, and I think still is signed with them. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. Um, I also learned through that production era that the production industry is full of snakes and divas. So I'll tell you a story about one producer that worked at Partizan at the time who always needed, every single morning, he requested a salmon and cream cheese bagel with lemon. He passed the bagel store every time, every morning on his way to work. But no, one of the runners had to go out and get it for him when he arrived in the office. And one day it fell on me. I went down, I got the bagel and I said, one salmon and cream cheese with lemon bagel. Thank you. And the guy handed it to me and he said, do you realize Every single day you guys come here, but there's never actually any lemon in there. And <laughs> that just goes to show like, these guys, 
who are demanding these orders, there are people in there that will just tell you to do stuff because you're lower than them. And they just need to feel that sense of power. That was, I was like, this is bull****, I'm done. So, one of the directors who was working and represented with Partizan approached me. He needed an assistant. He was looking for someone to help him with pitches, to um, create basic animations, to show uh, some of his ideas. Now, I had the motion graphics experience, so I jumped at the chance. I was taken under the wing of the director. He showed me the ropes of directing as well as how to edit. I'd never actually edited properly before. And I was editing in Final Cut Pro, uh, Final Cut Pro 7, of course, the OG. And I picked it up pretty quickly. It was fairly intuitive. The interface was easy and the, the jobs that were expected of me were really straightforward. It was just um, topping and tailing, cutting off the beginning and end of clips and then um, exporting them. So it was at this point that the director's sister was looking for a video editor to help with help her company with editing a clip. And he put me forward and um, the company was Vice. So I took the job. It was a very easy job. It was just creating, you know, topping and tailing and just um, creating some selects and, and exporting. So a fairly junior role and I got paid 150 pounds. That was easy. I could do that. And 150 pounds at the time was a lot of money. So um, they called me back a month later. Oh, we've got something else. Are you interested? Yeah. Okay. And so it began. And so I moved from this era of assisting to editing advice, but still freelance. When I look back on the era of working as a, a director's assistant, um, there is one lesson which I think is worth taking away from this. And if you do have a mentor, it's a value exchange. I show you the ropes, you work for me for free or for cheap. And um, one thing I realized is that it can hold you back at a certain point. Working with a mentor there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a line once your value that you've given to them has reached, then they're not willing to give you any more value. So it can, there can come a point when your mentor is actually holding you back. And that is when you need to cut ties and just move on. But the biggest lesson I learned was that I love storytelling. So now I'm freelancing advice and I'm learning on the job, starting off assisting, easy stuff, um, but my technical knowledge of a professional workflow was the thing that was holding me back the most. Every project that they'd give me, I struggled to be able to know what formats to convert everything to. What worked well, um, what was gonna cause issues with the server, with the software and uh, what did I need to convert stuff to to send to someone and what did it do I need to convert stuff to to use in the edit and that held me back a few months uh, so I created the technical workflow module and 
that is designed to help you not suffer the same setback. So that when you start a new assistant edit job or a junior editing job, or you're looking to start one, when you get into that professional environment, it's not such a huge learning curve to go from self-taught and everything that you learn yourself and the bad habits you pick up yourself to professional environment. So um, going back to the story, they gave me some trailers to cut. I just kind of like followed my gut feeling and just created this trailer. And I was like, actually, this is pretty good. So they called me back in again to do another trailer. And so before I went back, I started studying trailers. I started watching movie trailers, trying to figure out what it is that they did that made them so engaging. I realized it was a combination of the music, the pacing, and there was a buildup of tension towards the end. And then just before the end, you released the tension and also the use of, sort of black flash frames. So I started incorporating all of these ideas into my trailers. And the people at Vice loved the trailers I was creating, and I felt proud to be creating these trailers. Yeah, that really triggered a love for editing. So from here, I started cutting music content, music documentaries. Uh, then I moved on to news. That then got me into documentaries. This is where I really nailed my storytelling technique. Being able to create a story from nothing is an art. And this is where I learned it. Now, looking back, I realize there is, there, there's a lot of editing techniques that you can learn. And uh, once you've learned them, you've learned them. But storytelling itself, this infinite possibilities. After editing so many documentaries, I was asked to cut my very first feature. And so I cut my first feature length documentary, which was about Jesse Hughes of the Eagles of Death Metal. And um, it was hilarious. It was good fun. It was tough. It lasted about three months of editing. And um, it was constantly back and forth because the guy is, uh, how do I say this? Crazy. <laughs> Just use is crazy. And so trying to organize some shoot time with him to get what you need is nigh on impossible. So you just have to show up, shoot what you can get, bring it back. So the film was made in the edit room. And for me, that was a huge learning curve in terms of creating something from so much. I think I dealt with um, 85 hours of footage, something like this, and I had to condense that to an hour and a half maximum. I'm really happy with what we managed to end up with. That got released in the cinema, and so now at this point I can say, great, I've got a cinematic release on my reel. This is around about the time that my relationship with Vice started to deteriorate because I wanted to push my creativity. I wanted to push my storytelling, try out new ideas and new techniques, but Vice were very much fixed in their way. They had their style, the style they became very much known for, and they weren't willing to deviate from that. So looking back, I've realized that 
a company can't grow as quickly as you can. If you think about a, a, a plant in a, in a pot, a plant can only grow as big as the pot that it's kept in. If you put the plant in a bigger pot, the plant will grow bigger. So when you work freelance and you work for yourself, you can grow at the rate that you are comfortable with. However, if you work for a company, they are the ones that say how big the pot is that you are in. And they are the ones that say when they are willing to change the size of the pot, not you. So stepping out of that era of my career, I moved into the advertising era, uh, working on documentaries for so long, which are long projects. I think I just wanted to work on short form content, fast turnaround, variety. One thing I quickly realized is trying to tell a story in five minutes is actually kind of easy, but try and tell the story in 30 seconds is a lot harder. You need to try and squeeze in the introduction, the, the what, the why, the who, and the where, and then the rising action, and then the release in the action, all in 30 seconds. And it's tough. But I like the challenge. I started creating ads for the pitching process. And um, essentially what I would do is create ads for brands using footage that was downloaded from the internet. Stuff that you find on Vimeo, on YouTube. And um, essentially what would happen is the, the agencies, and these are the best ad agencies in the world, Ogilvy, um, Saatchi and Saatchi, MSC Saatchi, Leo Burnett, uh, what they do is they create these fake adverts to pitch them to the brand and then use that as the basis for the real ad. So one thing I realized is that you don't need some of the best camera raw footage to create good edits. All you need is the internet. Because all I was doing was taking these briefs, they were just scripts that people had written, downloading footage that seemed suitable for that the script on that advert, and cutting it together from found footage. And that gave me the foundation in cutting commercials. That was the stepping stone for me to create and start cutting actual commercials. And I pulled all of the assets from the internet. And it was incredible experience. And it's something that you can do yourself. And I highly recommend it. If you're looking to practice and you're looking to get into commercials, uh, then you can write a script, come up with a script, or even pull a script from an existing advert, scrub out the name of the brand, create your own one, and then find footage online that you think would be suitable. Pull it in and create the edits. It's as simple as that. So looking back over the entire career, I think I learned different lessons at different points in my career. Um, at my motion graphics period, I learned the power of variety and how I personally crave variety. And I didn't realize that until a lot later during my production phase, when I was working for production houses, I realized that it's you that holds the power and not the bosses or the producers. If I didn't want to go get that bagel, if I just flat out said no, 
I'm not getting that bagel. There's, they can't march you out and force you to do it. And, um, and I realized that having that strength to say to divas and to people who are power hungry is actually beneficial to you and to your mental health. Um, as I was working as the director's assistant during that era, um, I realized that uh, anyone can hold you back, essentially. And even someone who you trust as your mentor, they have the ability to hold you back. And um, I also learned the valuable power of connections. Who you know, not what you know. It was that connection with that director's sister working at Vice that got me that position at Vice so that I could learn editing whilst getting paid. And I was very fortunate, but in a way, if you think about it, kind of engineered uh, because of the connections I'd made, the network I made. During the period of Vice, I learned the the art of storytelling, how important, how significant it is to an edit and how the edit is essentially storytelling first, everything else second. And uh, I learned that you have to be prepared to change your pot. You know, if you want to grow, you have to change your pot, move to a different company, find yourself, put yourself in a different position so that you can grow. And from the advertising era, I learned how to engage an audience from the very beginning of an edit. Of an edit. So from the moment the video starts, how do you connect with your audience, keep them watching all the way through to the end of the 30 seconds? And more importantly, I learned how you don't need raw access to raw footage to practice editing. Everything you need is on the internet. So that is essentially my journey to where I am now. But where am I now? You might be asking, what am I doing now? Well, I consider myself a multifaceted editor. I edit so many different things, branded content, documentaries, commercials, um, social content, and music videos, all of these things, and they all plug into each other in the most amazing and dynamic way. Being able to create a music documentary using the, the knowledge from music video editing and documentary editing to create this kind of a dynamic, they feel like, you know, a 30 minute long trailer. All of these techniques and uh, understandings of different types of editing all plug into each other. And so uh, that's how I consider myself. I've also been called a master storyteller. Um, Vice will often call me in to fix broken edits. Essentially, uh, take an edit that another editor has done that for reasons they can't quite figure out doesn't work. I take over and completely reshuffle it and essentially become an edit doctor. And I think what really sets me apart to many editors is my ability to be able to break down processes and understand this plus this equals this. Because I think most editors work from the gut. They work from the subconscious and they just do the edits and it looks good, 
but they don't understand why they chose that, why they chose that, and why it works. I'm able to break down exactly what works in that edit and why, and why they chose to do that, even subconsciously. And so I've been able to do that with my edits. And what I have been doing for the past many years is writing down all of my processes and all of my thinking. And that is essentially what I am making available to you through Unsplice. It's my entire 15 years of knowledge broken down into processes. This plus this equals this. If you do this, you will get this from the audience's reaction. This is how you can achieve a greater income. This is how you can achieve this reaction from your audience. This is how you can achieve a more engaging edit. Knowing what to expect on your journey to going from junior to pro is super important. So that's why I created this free one hour training, how to go pro. Uh, if you're interested in learning more, then head to the website. I'll put a link in the show notes. And so before we go, I would just like to thank you for listening. If you have time, I would really, really appreciate a five-star review for the podcast. It helps the podcast get seen and it helps get the message out to all the other video editors who are looking to improve their craft, but haven't quite found the resource that helps guide them on that journey. Following on from this episode, we've got different monthly subjects. Now this first month is essentially, we're starting at the beginning of the podcast. So we're going to talk about the beginning of your career as a video editor. So month one is about starting your career. Month two is uh, the beginner's essentials. And then month three is gonna be tips for learning, how you can learn video editing more efficiently. Then month four, we're gonna start talking practical tips. Uh, these are the, the hot tips for video editing and storytelling as an art. Thank you so much for listening to my story. I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate your time and uh, I can't wait to bring you more things from Unsplice. Once again, my name is Shiny and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Take care, bye-bye.